Getting high in the sunrise with you Getting through all the bad times with you I wasn't missing a thing, no I do And I wish that I could be What is up, everyone? It is December the 22nd, 2019. It is Saturday, and it's about 7 o'clock here in Oklahoma. So tonight I have a whole bunch of news. Obviously, you can tell by the thumbnail. I asked the question, is 2020 going to be a year of conflict? Uh, so with that being said, I have a whole bunch of news, news articles on... Um, more conflict that's occurring over in the Middle East that has to do with Syria uh, and Russia. I have just a whole bunch of things I'm going to go over. I have about 25 articles. I'm not going to go over all of them. In, uh, I'm not going to completely go over all of them. I'll kind of skim over some of them, and all the links will be in the description. This is a live podcast, and it is a, a live call-in. And if you want to call in the number scrolling across the bottom of the screen, it's one four zero eight six three eight zero nine six eight. And the meeting ID is 534-233-4758. And you can call in. If you want to send articles, you can send those to kingsmanreport2019 at gmail.com. So I'm going to go ahead and get situated here, and I will be right back. Once again, this is a live podcast. You can call in the number scrolling across the bottom of the screen. If you have any articles, you can send them to that email. That's also scrolling across the bottom of the screen. If you haven't subscribed to the channel and you stumble across any of my videos, give it a thumbs up and go ahead and sub. If you don't like it, give it a thumbs down. Uh, this is also available on every platform that podcasts are available, and I will post that link in the description uh, whenever the stream is over. So... Like I said, I have a whole bunch of articles. I'm, I'm just going to kind of uh, go through some of these real quick. Um, if any of them strike you, if you find any of them interesting, all of those links are in the description underneath the video. And you can go and check them out for yourself. Um, also, if you want to 
follow any of the socials where I post other articles. Um, those are all in the about section of the channel as well. Uh, and also links to a lot of the podcasts are in there. It's available on more than what links I could give. There's also my website is in there. Uh, the email's in there. The phone number's in there. Everything's in the about section of the channel. So we'll go ahead and get into this. Uh, this first article says, Secretive California military base rattled by five earthquakes in one day. Also, if you subscribe to the channel, um, I'll shout you out. I'll, I'll take a break and I'll shout you out. Um, also, your name will pop up in the middle of the screen um, if you sub to the channel while I'm live. And there's also a chat running, so you feel free to chat. But I'm going to tell you this. If you, if you get mouthy in the chat room, I'll roast you in front of everybody. <clears throat> so uh, it, the article goes on. It says, five months after the biggest earthquake in two decades, a swarm of smaller quakes rattled a secretive Navy base in the Mojave Desert Thursday afternoon and before dawn on Friday, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. There is a picture there. See where the San Andreas Fault runs? Los Angeles is just south of that Ridgecrest there. Five quakes magnitude over 2.5 struck Naval Air Weapon Station China late between 3 p.m. Thursday and 3.30 a.m. Friday in Ridgecrest, California, according to the Fresno Bee. The base deep in the California desert near Death Valley's National Park is where the Navy deploys and tests its newest weapons. A massive 7.1 magnitude earthquake on July 6 was also centered on the base and forced the evacuation of, of a massive insulation, according to KLTA. And that is, uh, you know, some people will, will, uh, will speculate on that and say that it was something else that caused this earthquake, whether it be tunnels under the ground. There's a whole bunch of conspiracies that are gathered around that area and specifically what happened over here. Um, on this day. It says, in July, a series of back-to-back -back earthquakes in the Mojave Desert stoked fears over, quote, the big one hitting the area. Like I said, there is a bunch of conspiracies that surround this area here. I think there was a, a recent plane crash there as well. So, the big one will go off eventually, I do believe. It says, massive 30-car our 35-car pileup in Virginia leaves several with life-threatening injuries and shuts down the interstate. So these pictures are absolutely insane. If you look at these on your screen here, um, and also if you listen to the podcast, I, I post all the links in the description of the podcast as well, and you can look those up if you hear any that you are interested in. But if you're watching this later, you're watching now, you can see this pileup. I mean, this is... This is crazy. And so first off, pray for everyone that was involved in this, especially around this time of year. People are traveling. Uh, this is just absolutely insane how many cars were involved in this. So much so clustered that the fire department had to walk on the roofs of these vehicles. And as you can see in this one picture here, colored X on cars that they've already checked. It's absolutely insane. If you're out there traveling, pay attention. Stay off your phone. Um... I drive safe. The article goes on and says Fox News, uh, or it says a massive, quote, chain reaction pileup 
on an interstate in Virginia early Sunday left multiple people with injuries ranging from minor to life-threatening, authorities said. At least 35 vehicles crashed in the westbound lanes of I-64 near, near Williamburg at 7.51 a.m., Virginia State Police wrote on Twitter. At the time of the crash, police say ice was present on the Queens Creek Bridge and heavy fog covered the area. Photos from the scene showed a clog of cars, some with uh, crunched rear ends, dented doors, and broken headlights. I mean, this is absolutely crazy, the amount of cars involved in this. As far as you could see, I mean, it's just cars piled up. It says, uh, first responders were focused, or sorry, forced to walk across the wreckage on the roofs of vehicles. And the congestion was so tight that some vehicles had been pushed off the road by other cars that were forced underneath their carriages. First responders were forced to walk across the wreckage on the roofs of the vehicles. Police didn't disclose the number of those injured or the extent of their injuries. However, Wavy TV reported that state police confirmed two victims in the accident have li had life-threatening injuries. In addition to closing all westbound lanes, officials said eastbound lanes were shut down due to rubbernecking at the crashes and detours were set up with the help of York County Sheriff's Office and Virginia Department of Transportation. And it goes on to say the police said that they're still investigating the cause of crash, and I'm sure it's probably black ice is what it'll come out as being. People just not driving carefully. So this moron got exactly what he deserved when he did this. Suspect accidentally shoots himself while fleeing scene with stolen puppy. This is out of Toronto. It says, A man who allegedly stole a puppy at gunpoint in, Br in Brompton or Brampton was taken into custody on Friday after he accidentally shot himself in the leg while running away from the scene of the crime. Police say that the victim used an online classified site to arrange for the sale of the puppy, agreeing to meet the suspect in the area of Schuyler Circle. Once the victim arrived at the meetup location, he handed over the puppy to the suspect, but police say that the suspect refused to pay and instead pointed a firearm at the victim. Like Cheddar Bob in 8 Mile shot himself in the leg. The suspect then ran away with the dog, but as he fled, he accidentally shot himself in the leg and fell to the ground, police say. Officers were then called to the area by the victim. Once on the scene, they located the suspect and he was taken to the hospital with injuries that were considered non-life-threatening. A Colt 45 firearm was also recovered at the scene, according to the police. The puppy, a nine-week-old purebred American Bulldog called Tarzan, was returned unharmed to its owner. As Heather Cannon said Saturday that police are happy that the puppy and the seller were not physically injured. And Cannon said in a quote, I know that in the end, we did have an unarmed unharmed a very happy puppy that was returned to the seller but i think it is something to be mindful of especially when people are considering buying and selling online if you are doing any buying or selling online transactions we do have designated spots at three of our police stations and they have designated signage and there are cameras trained on the area a 20 year old brompton man whose identity has not yet been released has been charged with robbery and firearm-related offenses in connection with the incident. Well, sir, you got exactly what you deserve for that, you moron.
so this when it when when all this stuff started happening with the CDC uh, saying that it was you know vaping products that were causing all the lung damage to uh, everyone all over the country. Um, I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest. I smoked for a very long time, um, and then I mean, I still vape now, but I, uh, I I've been doing it for years. I've never had any issues from it. I've never, and I'm not promoting this. I'm not telling anyone, you know. That it's a healthier or safer alternative. It works for me. It may not work for everybody else. But when this started happening, uh, you know, they wanted to put the ban on vapes, and I think a lot of places banned vape or vaping, and uh, because of this, and uh, well, now it's come out that the CDC confirms that black market THC vaping products main source of deadly outbreak. So it comes out, I think it was a vitamin E extract is what a lot of people were saying that was put inside the vapes that were causing this illness. And I think, uh, I don't know if the CDC is actually um, confirming that vitamin E is the cause of it, but um, they are saying that they believe it's the THC infused vaping cartridges, the black market ones, but they're mixing a bunch of crap in it. So I'm going to say this, I live in a... Uh, a medicinal state. If you decide this is the way or the the way you want to ingest THC, go to a dispensary, get a card first, go to a dispensary and buy it from um, a proper distributor. Don't buy this garbage on the streets or the black market. You could wind up in a coma and potentially dead from, from this because look, the people on the street, being straight up, people on the street don't give a damn about your health either. They're out to make a buck. So, and if any of you dealers out there listen to me, whatever, man, y'all kiss my ass too. Um, but uh, go buy it from a legitimate source. Don't buy it off the streets. They're mixing all types of crap in there. If they're mixing vitamin E solvent inside of here, uh, who's to say that they won't mix other drugs inside of here that could cause you to overdose? And then we're going to have this whole other thing about people overdosing on, on THC oils when in fact they're going to find other garbage inside of it. I'm not even going to say what they could probably put in it because I don't want to give anybody any moronic ideas. So the article goes on to say, the Centers for Disease Control says THC oil cartridges may be driving a nationwide outbreak of e-cigarette or vaping products use associated lung injury, Brian uh, Linus reports. The Center for Disease Control announced Friday that further laboratory tests confirmed that THC-containing e-cigarette for vaping products are in fact, quote, linked to most of the cases and play a major role in the outbreak of recent vaping lung injuries and deaths. The CDC also said the outbreak of such injuries known as Evoli seems to be coming to an end. Since June, Evoli has hospitalized more than 2,500 patients and killed 54 people nationwide. Recent CDC lab data uh, shows that vitamin E uh, acetate, I guess, an additive in some of the THC-containing e-cigarettes was found in the lungs of 48 of the 51 patients they sampled from 16 states. These latest results support initial findings that suggested vitamin E uh, acetate from THC products is to blame. So I guess they do admit it, finally, after... This came out of someone else. Tried, a lot of people tried to say this was the cause of it, and then the CDC was kind of just playing it off, like we want to ban that, but we don't want to ban uh, 
it's cigarettes that kill thousands of people a year from cancer. So we don't want to blame it on that. We want you to take the more poisonous crap, uh, i.e. the cigarettes. It's like saying alcohol is safer than cannabis, I think is ridiculous. It goes on to say THC, the chemical most responsible for marijuana's psychological effects, is present in most of the tested samples, and most patients report a history of using THC-containing products, particularly black market products bought by friends, family, or in person, or online dealers. They're all over the place. Uh, for those online dealers, they're all over the place. On Thursday, November 14, 2019, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said more than 2,170 confirmed and probable vaping-related illnesses have been reported. The Uvalde outbreak coincides with the fast-growing THC vaping black market supplied by domestic and international criminal organizations. In an ex exclusive interview with Fox News, Ray Donovan, the Drug Enforcement Agency's special agent in charge in New York, said the number of illegal THC vaping products seized by their office has grown exponentially in the state from just 38 in 2017 to more than 210,000 in, in, in 2019. They're being manufactured on the West Coast, Asia, or in Mexico and smuggled by international organizations into the United States, Donovan said. It's very easy. You can go online and get this product and you can have it delivered to your doorstep. So if you want to read more on this article, the link is in the description. But like I said, uh, do it the right way. Get you a, a medical card. Don't buy anything from anybody that has to, that, that can easily be tampered with on online. This article here, um, some of these words in here, it might cause me to bog down. It might not. But I'm going to read it. I'm not going to be a PC for anybody. I'm just reading news articles. It says, uh, after, finding, after finding of hundreds of cancer genes in MMR vaccines, FDA researcher admits viral cells in vaccines may, quote, activate genes and spread more disease. So virus-based vaccines are made in living cells or cell sub substrates. Some manufacturers are investigating the use of new cell lines to make vaccines. The continual growth of cell lines ensures that there is a consistent supply of the same cells that can yield high quantities of the same vaccine. In some cases, the cell lines that are used might be tumorigenic, that is. They form tumors when injected into rodents. Some of these tumor-forming cell lines may continue, contain cancer-causing viruses, that are not actively reproducing. Such viruses are hard to detect using standard methods. These latent or, quote, quiet viruses pose a potential threat since they might become active under vaccine manufacturing conditions. Therefore, to ensure the safety of vaccines, our laboratory is investigating ways to activate latent viruses in cell lines and to detect the activated viruses as well as other unknown viruses using new technologies. We will then adopt our adapt our findings to detect viruses in the same types of cell substrates uh, that are used to produce vaccines. We are also trying to identify specific biological processes that reflect virus activity. So I'm not going to get on here and uh, give you a whole anti-vax or um, speech or anything like that. I've, I've 
had videos on here. I've read articles about it. I've had videos of doctors on my podcast that you can go back and listen to your for listen for yourself that will tell you what is in these vaccinations. And they will go through and they will explain what all the wording is, what thimerosal is, or mercury. They'll tell you what all of the names, all the inserts mean. They'll tell you all that stuff. Just research it for yourself before you make um, any decisions to take something like that. And on top of that, we have a uh, nationwide Ebola vaccination that's coming into the United States. So beware of that. Just a bunch of stuff out there. I don't get the flu uh, that, uh, shot. I've never had the flu. Um, I believe in home remedies. You know, uh, you can drink teas, vitamin C. You can do all other types of things besides going out and getting um, a shot to make yourself feel better or be, you know, prevent things. I think shots are like, uh, if you're not necessarily willing to just take care of yourself, by yourself you just want to go out and think that this is going to help but you already don't take care of yourself so you probably already have a weakened immune system and then getting uh, basically a um, a bug shot into you uh, a virus shot into you if you already have a weakened immune system you may have an adverse effect effect to that vaccine so I would just do your own research I'm not going to give any other speeches on it um, me and my ex-wife have arguments about this all the time, um, but she don't want to listen. Like, you don't want to listen to me. That's fine. I'm not a doctor, but I listen to doctors and I read what doctors say. So that's where I get my information. I'm not getting it from just some kooks on Facebook who don't like them. That's not where I get the information. I get it from actual doctors. This article is very insane. Uh, always be careful what you put on your skin, on your glands. Uh, you know, like your underarms, uh, most all deodorant contains uh, aluminum in it. Uh, just be careful of what you're putting on your body. Um, it, this is a sad story, uh, but this is a reality. This article says woman had 524 times the normal le level of mercury in her blood from skin cream use. I mean, it's sad for this woman, honestly. This, it, this is very sad. A 47-year-old woman in Sacramento, California has been left severely impaired, unable to talk or take care of herself, and requiring a feeding tube after using tainted face cream that contained highly toxic methylmercury. Her poisoning, first reported in local media in September, is now the subject of a detailed case report published today in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, Prevention's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, the MMWR. In it, health officials describe the progression of the woman's symptoms, which begin in July with weakness in her upper extremities and abdominal pain sensations. Um, over the next two weeks, she developed slurred speech, blurry vision, and unsteadiness while walking. She was then admitted to the hospital where her condition went downhill quickly, resulting in a state of agitated delirium. Blood and urine screens in the hospital detected mercury, but the levels were so high they exceeded the screens, what the screens could quantify. So if she's in the hospital and they're taking her blood and her urine to find out how much levels of this uh, poison she has in it. By the way, thimerosal is in some of the VCs that you guys get. Um, that's mercury. It's not good for your brain. And a lot of doctors, and they won't put this out there, are linking 
thimerosal or mercury in the vaccines to early Alzheimer's disease. Just look at the studies they did on uh, pigs when they shot uh, certain VCs in them and watch what it does to the, to the brain. It's not good. Having that much metal, uh, especially some, I remember they outlawed mercury fillings. You can't even get those put in your teeth because it seeps into your, uh, your bloodstream. But if they're, if they're going in here and they have tests to quantify the amount of poisons inside your system and, and these tests exceeded the screens, um, what they could quantify, that is outrageous. I don't know how much you, of this stuff that she was using, probably a lot, but still yet, I think the um, responsibility falls on the manufacturer for even putting the chemical in it in the first place. This is at that point the state health department and poison control center got involved. The poison control center recommended that she start a treatment of oral, oh man, dimer captosucinic acid, a metal uh, chelator. This binds or removes heavy metals from the body, and it's been used to treat heavy metal poisoning since the 1950s. The health department, meanwhile, tracked the source of the poison to a skin lightening cream she obtained from Mexico. And the woman's family told health investigators she had used such face creams twice a day, every day, for the past seven years. So twice a day, every day, for seven years, she's been putting this on. Wow. Further testing determined that she had 2,620 micrograms of mercury per liter of blood, according to the New York State Department of Health. Usual amounts of mercury in blood typically from dietary sources are up to about 5 micrograms a liter. You're telling me she had 2,620 micrograms of mercury per liter in her blood, and the average for any human being is about 5 micrograms a liter. Gee, that is insanity. You want to read more on this? I mean, I feel very uh, sad for this woman. 47 years old. Um, she's pretty much bedridden and delirious because um, she's put this stuff in her body. So as always, if you're just joining, um, I get to uh, the, the main stuff, which is this stuff. I have a whole bunch of articles on um, the progression of what's going on in the Middle East that's coming up. Um, but I go through and I cover a bunch of uh, breaking news, things that are happening, uh, you know, technology news, health news, uh, local news, weird stories, strange stories. And I eventually get to uh, the end of what I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to here. Uh, this is a... a Tech news, it says new, quote, uncrackable security system may make your VPN obsolete. And if you don't know what a VPN, it's a virtual privacy network, virtual private network. I use one myself. It says researchers at the University of St. Andrews, King Abdullah University of Science and Technology, or COST, and the Center for Unconventional Processes of Science, Cup Sciences, I developed a new uncrackable security system which is set to revolutionize communications privacy. The international team of scientists have created optical chips that allow for information to be sent from one user to another use using a one-time unhackable communication that is able to achieve perfect secrecy since confidential data can now be protected more securely than ever before. 
Researchers proposed the system uses silicone chips that contain complex structures that are irreversibly changed in order to send information in a one-time key that can be recreated or interpreted by an attacker. You know, because everyone's information is getting hacked right now. That perverted weirdo hacked that little girl's camera in her bedroom and said he was Santa Claus. You got all the ring doorbells. All, all your information got leaked for that, so people were trying to hold other people ransom for whether it's Bitcoin or, or whatever. Uh, because, you know, all of our technology that we've led, led into our house is being hacked through our, our uh, Wi-Fi routers or, or whatever. However they're doing this. Protect yourself is all I can say. They hack your Alexa with laser beams that you can buy the equipment to do that off Amazon. I posted a video on my social of the guy doing that. It's true. You can push sound through a laser beam wave. Absolutely insane. The article goes on to say, while current standard cryptographic techniques allow for information to be sent quickly, they can be broken by future computers and quantum algorithms. However, according to the research team, their new method for encrypting data is unbreakable and uses existing communication networks, and it also takes up less space on other networks than traditional encrypted communications. Associate Professor of Electrical Engineering at COST and leader of the study, Dr. Andrea Fratellocci, explained why the team's new security system will be essential in the quantum era, saying, with the advent and more powerful and, and quantum computers, all current encryptions will be broken in very short time, exposing the privacy of our present and, more importantly, past communications. For instance, an attacker can store an encrypted message that is sent today and wait for the right technology to become available to decipher the communication. Implementing massive and affordable resources of global security is a worldwide problem that this research has the potential to solve for everyone and everywhere. If this scheme could be implemented globally, crypto hackers will have to look for another job. The research team is currently working on developing commercial applications for their patent technology, and they plan to get, have a fully functional demo soon. We shall see. Um, for, for hackers, my, my, I always say with hackers, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I think there was a hacker named Barnaby Jones or something like that. The guy could hack ATMs mobily. He could hack pacemakers and somehow wound up uh, suicided in his um, apartment. So I read these articles, and if you've listened to any of my past podcasts or watched any of my videos, then you know what I think aliens are, um, interdimensional beings. I don't necessarily believe that it's a... Uh, I think they have something to do with the Nephilim and what the Bible says in the book of Enoch about um, fallen angels, spirits being cursed to the earth, interdimensional beings, higher intelligence. Yes, they can be communicated through occult rituals, things of that nature. And I read this stuff because it seems that war, aliens, and all this stuff is just being pushed in our face almost to just desensitize us for everything. Pretty much is is that I mean that's pretty much what it is to me. They just want us to be desensitized. So if they do do a fake alien invasion, like Warner von Braun said that they were going to do, 
Um, then they kind of are like preparing us for it in a way, but I don't know. I think the technology that they have is going to be so insane. I mean, I talked about in Project Bluebeam, a video that I've done in the podcast that I did, that they can uh, create holograms that you can reach out and touch, and then they can use uh, sound of skull technology to make you hear these um, holograms as they're so they could stand a hologram that's so lifelike in front of you, you can reach out and touch it and it speaks to you and they're using laser technology and um, all types of stuff to be able to do this so it says aliens could have explored the galaxy and visited earth already scientists say uh, the Milky Way could be teeming with interstellar alien civilizations according to a new study we just don't know about we just don't know about it because they haven't paid us a visit in 10 million years. The study published last month in the Astronomical Journal voices uh, that intelligent extraterrestrial life could be taking its time to explore the galaxy, harnessing star systems movement to make star hopping easier. The work is a new response to a question known as the Fermi Paradox, which asks why haven't we detected signs of extraterrestrial intelligence? The paradox was first posed by physicist uh, Enrico Fermi, who famously asked, where is everybody? Fermi was questioning the feasibility of travel between stars, but since then his uh, query has come to represent doubts about the very existence of extraterrestrials. Astrophysicist Michael Hart explored the question formally when he argued in a 1975 paper that there has been plenty of time for intelligent life to colonize the Milky Way in the 13.6 billion years since the galaxy first formed. Yet we've heard nothing from them. Hart concluded that there must be no other advanced civilizations in our galaxy, and the new study offers a different perspective on the question that maybe aliens are taking their time and being strategic the author suggests. I'm not going to read this in its entirety. It's a pretty long schedule. I mean, a pretty sorry, pretty long article. So if you want to read it for yourself, the link is in the description. So, U.S. government says verdict in Bayer's Roundup case should be reversed. If you don't know, Bayer Monsanto is the same company. Um, I think Bayer is now owned, or Bayer owns Monsanto, or vice versa. One, they're they're one and the same. Um, why are why our government says this or even comes out and, and makes a um, plea for a Bayer is kind of unnerving to me because if you know anything about genetically modified organisms that they put in the food and Monsanto being responsible for that and what it does to the human body and the endocrine system and then them, for them to say that glyphosates do not cause cancer, well, I'll tell you this. Glyphosates do cause a lot of irritable bowel syndrome, leaky gut syndrome, all sort of colitis, and they put it in the food to basically get it prepared for sale a lot faster. What it does, it dries the grain, it dries out um, the vegetation that they want to sell, wheat, oats, all those different things before they get it. So, so in order for them to make a faster dollar, they use glyphosates um, and stuff to kind of speed of the process. So the article says the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA, and the Justice Department said a federal appeals court should reserve a lower court verdict finding Bayer Ag liable in the case of a California man 
who blamed its roundup weed killer for his cancer. Government said in a friend of the court brief file on Friday that glyphosate, the weed killer's active ingredient, is not a carcinogen, and as a result, a warm warning on the label was not required as California state law demands. Backing by the EPA and the Justice Department comes days after Bayer asked a U.S. federal appeals court to throw out a $25 million judgment. It was ordered to pay Edwin Hardman. Um, Bayer had it denied its Roundup weed killer causes cancer. In April, the EPA reaffirmed that glyphosate does not cause cancer. And farmers spray glyphosate, the most widely used herbicide in U.S. agriculture, on fields of soybeans and other crops that are genetically engineered to resist it. And Roundup is also used by consumers on lawns, golf courses, and elsewhere. Harmon's lawyers previously accused Roundup maker Monsanto, which Bayer acquired. So yeah, Monsanto is owned by Bayer. Uh, funny enough, they also make your aspirins and your medications. Uh, last year, in a $63 billion deal of having failed to warn customers about the herbicide's cancer risk. Bayer stock has lost about 23% in value since the roundup verdict for plaintiffs in August of 2018. Bayer argued it would be impossible to comply with a Hardeman verdict, a lawsuit brought under state law, because any warning label would be in conflict with guidance from a federal agency. The EPA and Justice Department agreed in their Friday filing, quote, it is unlawful for manufacturers and sellers to make claims on their labels that differ from what the EPA approves, the U.S. government said. Uh, it's a chemical, and if it doesn't belong in your body, it probably causes some kind of uh, disease. Just going to throw that out there. But if it's not good for you, it's probably not good for you. Um, this article says, Open Skies Treaty to Get Protections Even as Trump Considers and exit. This is from Defense News. It says U.S. President Donald Trump on Friday plans to sign legislation that would make it more difficult for him to leave a landmark 34-nation re uh, re reconnaissance treaty, even as if, e even as he is weighing leaving it. 2020 defense policy passed by Congress would require the president consult Congress and wait four months before withdrawing from the Open Skies Treaty, which includes. Russia, and allows mutual overflights of each signatory territory. 2020 Defense Appropriations Bill will provide $41.5 million to begin replacing the aging Boeing OC-135B aircraft that America uses for its open skies flights. Senate Strategic Forces Subcommittee Chairwoman Deborah Fisher uh, from Nebraska said the legislative language, quote, puts a marker on the table. Open skies is a treaty we should remain in. As long as the mission is is there, we want to make sure that there are proper planes, proper resources to make it go, and that many are, and that was my push all along, Fisher said. We are still in the treaty. Let's make sure we have planes that work for these guys that are going to have to do the mission. Allies and arms control advocates have been lobbying for fav in favor of the treaty as a valuable channel for transparency and dialogue between Russia and the U.S. Uh, Trump signing the authorization and appropriations bill into law will be a win for both camps. If you're in need of more evidence that Congress does not want the Trump administration to withdraw the United States from the Open Skies Treaty, 
both the final fiscal year 2020 defense authorization and appropriations bill provided said the Arms Control Association Director for Disarmament and Threat Reduction Policy, Kingston Rife. Earlier this month, the Senate Subcommittee on Airland Chairman Tom Cotton from Arkansas offered or authored the op-ed in Washington Post titled, The Open Skies Treaty is Given Russia Spying Capabilities. End it. Cotton argued that Russia allows limited overflights of the area where it is engaged in covert military operations, but sends spy planes over the U.S. military installations or over Trump's retreat in Bedminster, New Jersey. Along these lines, the Trump administration has told European allies that Russia is abusing the treaty by targeting critical U.S. infrastructure. The White House is pressing those allies to find a solution. The administration has also launched an internal interagency process to chart a course forward on the treaty. In the meantime, some lawmakers complain the administration has been opaque with Congress about this action. According to a congressional aide, State Department and Pentagon officials were recently set to speak at joint bipartisan briefing to the House Armed Services and Foreign Affairs Committees, but canceled just as the briefing was to begin. 2020 National Defense Authorization Act will require congressional notification and a 120-day waiting period before any intent to withdraw from the Open Skies Treaty or the 2010 Arms Reduction Treaty new start. Legislation is a victory for Congress, a Nebraska delegation, which worked to secure both the funding and policy restrictions. On Thursday, Nebraska Republican Representative Don Bacon, a former commander of the 55th Wing at the Foot Air Force Base in Nebraska and a member of the House Armed Services Committee, was jubilant. You can say Bacon brought home the bacon. According to Bacon, the Air Force was sought a second Open Skies aircraft, but the White House is interested in defunding it, though it was not formally made that request to Congress. Meanwhile, he said he has worked through a bipartisan coalition to protect the treaty. He said in a quote, I am not saying I will always fight for this, but you've got to make a case to withdraw, he said and nobody from the administration made a case to us why we, why we should withdraw. Very interesting article here. It says, Busted, China paid millions of dollars to the Washington Post and the New York Times to publish, quote, cleverly disguised Chinese propaganda. Oh yeah. You don't know who owns the Washington Post. His name is Jeff Bezos, and he also owns Amazon. And he also has contracts with the United States government, but that's uh, either here or there. If you don't believe me, you just look it up for yourself. Uh, anything that I say, I don't make up. I read these articles, so it gives you guys a chance to make up your own mind. I, I kind of give my opinions, but I don't over-speculate on things. Because I want, I want to read from both sides, so... Some of you that are, um, you know, truthers may say, oh, all he does is read mainstream articles. Well, I read mainstream. I read underground news articles. Um, I give a perspective from both sides so that you can take both perspectives and you can weigh it out and make your own opinions. I think that's what, 
you should do anytime you read anything. Don't take everybody's word for it. Um, read it for yourself and discover. Uh, that's what using your own head is for. The article goes on to say, these are the people that are ruining America. They are dishonest, they are corrupt, and they take money to report what special interest groups and even foreign governments want them to publish. Investigation re revealed that the Washington Post and the New York Times and many others accepted millions of dollars from Communist China to publish Chinese propaganda that was designed to look like legit articles. China Daily, an official mouthpiece of the Chinese Communist Party, has published hundreds of propaganda articles designed to look like ordinary news stories in some of America's most influential newspapers. While foreign agents may place ads in the United States, the propaganda outlet has repeatedly violated the Foreign Agent Registration Act, or FARA, by failing to provide full disclosure about its purchases. China Daily has published propaganda in mainstream outlets for decades, but did not disclose its purchase of space in American newspapers to the Department of Justice until 2012. Even after it began acknowledging its relationship with the papers, the regime's mouthpiece continued to violate federal disclosure requirements. China Daily has failed to provide breakdowns of spending activities and withheld copies of online ads, among other omissions, that violate federal law according to experts who reviewed years of its FARA filings. The Washington Free Beacon uh, reviewed all the physical copies of China Daily's ads filed with the DOJ, as well as online ads the propaganda outlet did not submit to the department. China Daily has run more than 700 online ads designed to look like news articles and purchased 500 print pages and six American newspapers over the last seven years. These propaganda articles frame state oppression in Xinjiang, Tibet, and Hong Kong in a positive light and run alongside actual news stories produced by reporters at The Post, Times, Wall Street Journal, and other outlets. These outlets claim to support democracy, but they participated in a cover-up for the ongoing communist-ran genocide, Banks said it's disgusting, and that's Representative Jim Banks, Republican of Indiana. Federal law requires foreign agents to report and provide copies of all propaganda that is, quote, disseminated or circulated among two or more persons in the United States. Ben Freeman, director of the Foreign Influence Transparency, Transparency Initiative at the Center for International Policy said China Daily's ad inserts are subject to those requirements. Clearly, an ad that's the Was that's in the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, or any big media outlet is going to be distributed to two or more people, Freeman said. The president calls them fake news for a reason, America. They are truly the enemy of the American people. The evidence continues to mount up. I was recently asked if I belonged to any journalistic integrity groups or foundations. My answer was, quote, the mainstream ones? No, actually I report the truth. Be careful what you read. Uh, everyone believes everything they read on the internet now. 
some of you people, if they told you the sky was purple, you'd have to walk outside and look. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I don't... It's like the human mind has become so influenced and so feeble that it just hangs on every word that anyone says. If they're in association with a party and that you believe in or follow, you just choose to just believe whatever they say. They can be, you know, raging lunatics and criminals and you're still just going to believe what they say. Um, we just become so easily brainwashed with propaganda and believing any and everything if it suits our agenda or our party's agenda. Um, I think people honestly need to wake up and just start reading for themselves, discovering for yourself, educate yourself. Don't believe everything that you read. Um, you know, be firm in what you believe in and don't let anything sway that. But be open to have a conversation respectfully with other people that disagree. That's what part of being a responsible adult is. Um, I have friends that, you know, are liberals, conservatives, Democrats, Republicans. It doesn't bother me. I mean, people get so defensive because someone's ideology is different than theirs. The only thing that upsets me is when people's ideology is forced down my throat and I'm forced to respect theirs. But then anything that I think about or I believe in is disrespected. And then I'm called names because it doesn't match up with your ideals. I don't agree with that. I, I agree. I think that anyone is allowed to think anything they want to, express anything they want to within reason and within the confines of the Constitution, not promoting violence or any of those things. But you should also be able to respect other people's opinions and not force those things onto other people. Um, this is where we're lost. Like, so many people are getting um, manipulated into doing the work of these people that are above them that they vote for or put into office. And those people that you put in the office honestly don't give, on, on a certain side, honestly don't give a damn about you. They just want your vote and they, they, they lie to you and then they get in there and they do everything else aside from what they told you they were going to do. If you haven't figured it out, I mean, wake up and, and figure it out yourself. This article says, uh, this is more like a, a kind of a biblical Thing I'm going to get into because of the swarms of locusts, and uh, locusts aren't to be aren't to be confused with a cicada or a jarfly. A locust is a grasshopper. Um, locust invasion threatens Somali farmers with starvation. And this is uh, from Dissam Dissam Reb Somalia. Says Somali farmers on Saturday urged their government and the international community to help protect their crops from an invasion of locusts that is leaving many unable to feed their families. Locusts already ate our, our grazing area, so we are now fighting to save at least our farm where we planted watermelon and beans. We aren't able to protect them, and we call on the Somali government and international community to help us, said Jamad Muhammad. A farmer in in the same area, Dustin Rib, the uh, provincial capital of Gal Galgadud in a semi-autonomous region. The insects have already destroyed seventy thousand uh, hect hectares or one hundred seventy-five thousand acres of farmland in Somalia and neighboring Ethiopia, threatening food supplies in both countries in the worst locust invasion in 70 years, the Food and Agriculture Organization said on Wednesday. For 
Gyro Korhir, another Somali farmer in the region, it's too late. He has lost all of his crops to the insects. Locusts devoured the whole area and have now reached our farm to eat our plants, as you can see, Korhir said. Uh, this is the end, and we have nothing left to feed our children, and we aren't even able to buy food from the market. That's the end of the article. It's absolutely devastating. So I cover I cover riots, and you know, like kind of when I started streaming, I got into. Uh, Covering a lot of the rights in Chile, and um, I started streaming those at five. <clears throat> this article says new clashes erupt in after Lebanon names new prime minister. So this is another one, and they've already been going at it over here. It says Leban Lebanon's newly uh, designated prime minister began his consultations on Saturday with. Uh, parliamentary blocks to discuss the shape of the future government. Hassan Daib, or Daib, Daub, Daib, university professor and former education minister, will have to steer Lebanon out of its worst economic and financial crisis in decades. He's also taking office against the backdrop of, of ongoing nationwide protests against the country's ruling elite. The constellations begin. Uh, a day after scuffles broke out in Beirut and other areas between supporters of outgoing Prime Minister Saad Hariri and Lebanese troops and riot policemen. Excuse me. The ex-premier uh, supporters were protesting Daib's nomination, 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 and the scuffles left at least seven soldiers injured. Daib began his meeting Saturday at Parliament with Speaker Nabi Berry. Uh, then held talks with former prime ministers, including caretaker Premier Hariri. The two men had also met the previous day when Daib said he plans to form a government of experts and independents to deal with the country's crippling economic crisis. Lebanese banks have imposed unprecedented capital controls over the past weeks. Thousands have lost their jobs, while the economy is expected to contract in 2020. Hariri cautioned his supporters Saturday against violent protests, saying, quote, the army is ours and police forces are for all Lebanese. So I'm not going to go into this entirely. If you want to read more about it, the link is in the description below. You guys can check that out there. So in a world being uh, dominated by gun grabbers everywhere, it looks like they had a buyback plan over in New Zealand, and this article says a sweeping ban on semi-automatic weapons takes effect in New Zealand. So New Zealand's countrywide ban on most semi-automatic semi weapons has gone into effect. The ban took effect Saturday after six months. Uh, gun buyback program and amnesty period came to an end, according to the New York Times. Buyback began as a part of a push to stem gun violence following a mass shooting on two mosques in uh, Christ Church in March that left 51 people dead. More than 56,000 people uh, prohibited fire. More, sorry, more than 
56,000 prohibited firearms had been collected from about 32,000 people through the buyback program, according to the Minister of Police, Stuart Nash. The ban applied to military-styled semi-automatic weapons as well as some gun parts. He noted that it was difficult to determine the buyback program's success as officials did not exactly know how many guns are in the country, but added that New Zealand's residents were well aware of the program due to the high publicity of the initiative. He said in a quote, you would have had you would have had to have lived under a rock if you were a gun owner not to understand what government's doing. The Times reports that authorities spent roughly 100 million uh, New Zealand dollars in compensation for guns that had been turned in. With the buyback program now concluded, those who own who own banned weapons face the risk of prosecution and up to five years of jail time in addition to the loss of their firearms license. The banned and buyback program were part of the sweeping gun reform measures Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced earlier this year following a temporary ban that was enacted days after the deadly shooting at the mosque. The ban was approved in an overwhelming 119 to 1 vote in Parliament. I don't think they ban like, all the guns, but I think they ban the majority of the guns. So this article, uh, a lot of guys have already covered this. Um, I always say it here, if you don't think that they could turn off the internet here, um, you bet your ass they can. They can turn the internet off anytime they want to. Um, they control. I mean, it's it, it's the information. If they wanted to shut down anyone from getting any type of information out of this country or into this country, they could definitely shut ours down. But there's something eerie inside this article. It says Russia's, quote, sovereign internet test will cut off entire country from web on Monday. So it's crazy. I'm going to highlight something in this article that I think is crazy. So on Monday, a key initiative undertaken by the Russian government for over the past year to establish, quote, sovereign internet will face a major test. That's when the country and its information systems will be intentionally disconnected from the World Wide Web, according to Russia's communication ministry. So it's right here. It says, Russia aims to ready its own web to both survive a global internet shutdown. Right here. Russia aims to ready its own web to both survive a global internet shutdown and defend against foreign cyber attacks and intrusion on its data infrastructure. So if he if if Putin is preparing for a uh, global internet shutdown, uh, he knows they they know something's coming. They know something's coming. I think that they are going to end up shutting the internet off to everybody everywhere because they're tired of people that read news articles expose them for what's going on. Um, and if they move into this country and hit a certain part and they start trying to take whether it be weapons or what, whatever they plan on doing, they're going to shut the internet down so that nobody can communicate with each other to further warn other communities and uh, citizens of the country. Um, if you ever read The Art of War, you shut down your enemy's communications, and then no one can talk to each other. So the test is based on the recently passed, quote, sovereign internet bill into Russian law, which requires all communication operators, messengers, and email providers to participate in the test 
as well as state-run intuitions and or institutions and security services, according to a summary of the law by Reuters. Essentially, it means all Russian internet traffic will be routed to exchange points approved by the Federal Service for Supervision of Communications, Information Technology, and Mass Media, um, Rosk Roskmanzor, Russia's federal executive body responsible for censorship in the media and telecommunications. These hubs will filter traffic in such a way that data sent between Russian internet users should work seamlessly, simultaneously rejecting any communication with foreign computers. The test will eval evaluate, quote, the possibility of intercepting subscriber traffic and revealing information about the subscriber, blocking communication services according to an internal government document. However, the ministry noted it shouldn't significantly impact regular individual internet users and is, is to take place on, in stages on December the 23rd. President Putin actually addressed the Sovereign Internet Initiative this week at his annual year uh, at his annual year-end press conference, saying in response to a journalist's question, "Quote: Free internet and sovereign internet; these notions do not contradict each other." He was responding to criticism from activist groups which say it's a dramatic and dangerous step towards complete government censorship and total information control. He continued in a quote. The law you have mentioned is aimed only at preventing adverse consequences of global disconnection from the global network, which is largely controlled from abroad. This is the point. This is what sovereignty is. To have our resources that can be turned on so that we uh, would not be cut from the internet, according to TASS. He goes on to say, the law says that in the case of in case of a threat or major cyber attack from abroad, the country's comms watchdog, uh, this name here, Roskam, Roskam Nadzor, I'm guessing that's it, sorry if I mispronounced that wrong, can take complete control and centrally oversee of the country's network. See how that goes. This is a very uh, long article. I'm not going to cover this because it's kind of a, I mean, it, it was published recently, but it talks about um, something that had happened uh, a few years ago. If you want to read it, the link's in the description, but the, the title to the article, if you're listening to this on podcast, it's um, Russia appears to have kept a major nuclear accident secret. The scientists called the Ring of Five tracked the plume of radiation to its source. You want to check that article out further. The links in the description. Um, for the this is out of uh, France. It says Mali conflict. Macron says 33 terrorists killed by French troops, and it says French forces have killed 33 uh, militants in an operation in Mali, according to President Emmanuel Macron. Um, Macron made the announcement on a visit to the Ivory Coast, where he reiterated France's commitment to fighting jihadists in the region. If you want to read more about this article, you can. The link is in the description. So as we know, um, we were promised a Christmas gift from our, uh, our good friend over there in um, North Korea. And we don't know. I mean, I guess if we're a civilian, we're not necessarily going to know. But I know... Uh, from reading other articles that our government is kind of watching them and, and in preparation in case something does pop off. 
And um, this article came out. It says, satellite photos show work on North Korean side linked to long-range missiles. North Korea has expanded a factory linked to the production of long-range long nuclear missiles, according to a new analysis, analysis of satellite photos provided to NBC News that bolsters a growing expectation the country soon will resume testing a capability that threatens the United States. Commercial satellite images from Planet Labs show a temporary structure at the site to accommodate the rising of a launcher arm, according to Jeffrey Lewis, director of the East Asia Nonproliferation Program at the Mil Middlebury Institute of International Studies. He says in a quote, We believe North Korea erects this structure when the facility is involved in producing or modifying ICBM launchers. It was concluded in a written analysis using the acronym for the International Ballistic Missiles. North Korea has expanded the March, uh, the March 16th factory in Poinsang, a facility associated with the production and modification of ICBM launchers. And the March 16 factory produces both military and civilian vehicles. Russia's truck maker CAM-AZ uh, began began participated in a joint venture from November 2006 to to November to 2000 or from November 2006 to 2010 at the facility to produce uh, and produce civilian vehicles this is one of the many places of evidence pointing in one direction Lewis added in an interview with NBC News there's activity at a number of locations indicating that North Korea is laying the groundwork for an expansion of their ICBM program. More systems, more buildings, more capabilities, he said. New evidence comes as U.S. military and intelligence officials are increasingly concerned that North Korea is poised to conduct a long-range missile test in the next few days or weeks, an act that would signal the final breakdown of diplomatic talks between President Donald Trump as hailed as a signature foreign policy achievement. Kim Jong-un's regime has recently warned of an imminent, quote, Christmas gift to the United States, and the U.S. Air Force top general in the Asia-Pacific region said last week he believes that, quote, gift could be the test of a long-range ballistic missile. This commercial imagery taken by Planet Lab shows that North Korea began expanding the site shortly after Kim's visit in June, including constructing a new building that is connected to one uh, where Kim Jong-un witnessed preparations for the Song 15 launch in 2017. The country halted nuclear and long-range missiles tests in 2017 in the wake of diplomatic talks with the United States that included two summit meetings between Kim and Trump but in recent months, no pro progress has been apparent. What I would expect in some of some of long-range ballistic missile would be the, quote, gift that General Charles Brown, head of Pacific Air Forces, told reporters December 17th. Uh, does it come on Christmas Eve? Does it come on Christmas Day? Does it come on the New Year? One of my responsibilities is to pay attention to that. The Air Force will be prepared to respond to a missile launch. Brown said without being specific, quote, there's a lot of stuff we did in 2017 that we can dust off fairly quickly and be ready to use. Facility flagged by Lewis and his team is known as the March 16th factory, and it produces both military and civilian vehicles. And uh, 
says Kim Jong-un visited the facility in August 2017, although North Korea presented the trucks he viewed as civilian vehicles. The same type of trucks were seen in military parades in 2017 and 2018, transporting ICBMs. So I guess uh, we're going to be paying attention to this and see if we get this uh, Christmas gift that we were promised. So now I'm going to get more into the articles that have to do with the thumbnail. And that thumbnail there says 2020 year of conflict. This article says fake fighter news, the failure of Iran's quote, new Sakhe jet fighter. This is in February, 2017. This person published an article of Iranian Sakhoi Thunderbolt fighter, billed as Iran's first domestically built jet fighter to enter operational service. It says fast forward a year and a half later and we're again greeted with the headlines for yet another 100% indigenously made fighter jet, and this time a quote state-of-the-art two-seater called the Kauser, and yet it appears identical to an F-5F Tiger II two-seater jet. If anything, it's far less original than the, uh, I guess that's Sequoia, uh, which has airframe modifications including enlarged strakes and twin vertical tail stabilizers. The Kauser doesn't appear to have any external changes from the F-5F. And how is this jet even worthy of the photo op with Iranian President Hassan Rouhani? in the instructor seat of the Iranian Defense Industry Day. What happens there really is a program to build a combat-capable Kauser advanced jet trainer. It simply wasn't the aircraft on display this summer. According to the Iranian aviation expert Babak uh, Tagave, the Kauser may merely be an avionics test, test bed. The regular F-5F fitted with the avionics, rumored to be of Chinese origin, eventually intended for use in the Sakhoi fighter, spruced up with a fresh coat of gleaming paint for the photo op. The testbed use may date all the way back to Iran's first attempt to reverse engineer the F-5 in the 1990s. The Azarkish, um, and it says this was because the real Kauser 88 wasn't ready yet. I'm not going to read the entire article, but that link's also in the description. This is a find interesting. Lockheed Inc.'s $2 billion contract for, for Saudi uh, frigate or frigate. It says the Navy announced Friday that Lockheed Martin was awarded a $1.96 billion contract to build four multi mission surface combatants for Saudi Arabia. The ships, were, which were slated to be built in the uh, Intakari's Marinette Marine Shipyard in Wisconsin are derived from the Freedom Class literal combat ship design. Uh, the contract announced was posted on the Defense Department's website Friday night. Saudi Arabia reportedly gives a thumbs down in the initial U.S. price and scheduled to build four uh, frigates. The awarded contract includes associated, associated costs plus fixed fee class design and related material and firm fixed priced integrated, integrated data environment, the announcement said. 
contract was awarded as a part of the U.S. Navy's Foreign Military Sales Program. It allows a 218 or 2018 $450 million contract for design and long lead uh, time materials for the uh, frigates. Captain Danny Hernandez, that's funny because that's 6ix9ine's uh, name. <laughs> Captain Danny Hernandez, a spokesman for the Navy's uh, head of research, development, and acquisition, said deliveries of the MMSC could begin in June 2023. Selling the MMSC to the Saudis will be a net positive uh, for the Navy and should be have minimal impact on uh, Marinette's LCS production, Hernandez said. The FMS purchase of four MMSC ships by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia will provide additional workload for further stability within the U.S. Navy shipbuilding industri industrial base, Hernandez said. The MMSC ships will be produced at the Ben Kintari, uh, Marinette uh, Marine, and Marinette, wow, uh, Wisconsin, the same shipyard that currently constructs the Freedom Variant ships of the U.S. Navy uh, Littoral Combat Ship, or LCS class. MMS construction is expected to have minimal impact on LCS production. U.S. Navy gets its large unmanned surface vessels in 2020 with strings attached. U.S. Navy will get its two large unmanned surface vehicles in 2020 after all, but lawmakers want the service to proceed with caution. Recently passed 2020 Defense Appropriations Bill buys both the LUSVs the Navy's requested, um, but puts strict limits on what it can do with them. Furthermore, Congress wants the Navy to have a plan before they charge ahead. Congress also forbade the Navy from dropping a vertical launch system into the new LUSV, which the Navy has said it intends to do to augment the missile's capacity of its larger manned combatants. Incremental upgrade capability for the vertical launch system may be addressed in the future fiscal years, and the agreement between House and Senate appropriators reads, quote, it is direct that no funds may be awarded for the conceptual design of future LUSVs until the Assistant Secretary of the Navy's Research Development and Acquisition briefs uh, the Congressional Defense Committees on the updated acquisition strategy for unmanned service vehicles. So basically this is a drone. The service asked for two of the LUSVs in 2020 with plans to buy eight more over the five-year projection Known, uh, known as the Future Years Defense Program, or FYDP. The Appropriations Bill overrides the National Defense Authorization Act, which had limited the Navy to just one LUSV. If the authorization and the Appropriations Bill are in conflict, the service interprets the last bill signed into law as the expressed will of Congress. As the force looks to integrate more unmanned surface vehicles on uh, into its future fleet, the ships will likely have sailors aboard, at least in the near term. In total, Congress appropriated $209.2 million for the two LUSVs, with another $50 million for designing the ship without 
a VLS. In August, USNI News reported that the Navy planned to adapt something similar to an offshore support vessel designed for the purpose. The program is derived from a classified project berthed in the Pentagon Strategic Capabilities Office. The drive toward integrating unmanned service vehicles in the force, which Navy officials suggest, should, suggested could make up a significant portion of the future fleet's force structure, was kicked off in earnest with the rollout of the 2020 budget. Senior Navy officials have talked about the LUSV as a kind of external missile magazine that can autonomously navigate uh, to and integrate with the force, then shoot its missiles and return for reload, keeping the big man surface combatants in the fight and fielded uh, longer. But the Defense Department likely drew unwanted attention to the program by using investments in this kind of unmanned technology as part of the justification for canceling the refueling of the aircraft carrier Harry S. Truman, meaning the ship would have been uh, decommissioned with half of its intended 50-year hull life remaining, according to a source familiar with the authorizer's thinking on the issue. The linkage with the Truman refueling shined a spotlight on the USVs, the source said. It's important to remember that in 2019, there were zero LUSVs in the budget. Then in 2020, there were 10 at a cost of $3 billion over the FYDP. That kind of ramp up will attract attention in any budget. In a view from uncertain LUSV concept of operations requirements, technical maturity, including many first-of-a-kind capabilities, contrast between a proven aircraft carrier and its air wing and unproven unmanned service vessels is stark. So this is getting crazy with the stuff going on in Libya. First, you know, I read an article that said uh, Libya uh, made an Israeli research uh, ship turn around in the Mediterranean near Cyprus. And now this is saying Eastern Libyan forces seized ship with a Turkish crew. So all this stuff going on over here, Turkey, Libya, Syria, Russia, um, all this stuff going on. It, it looks as if they're preparing or they're gaining a foothold in Syria and other uh, countries as, as far as like possibly staging for stuff. We know that um, in an article I read day before yesterday, um, Russia has put their, uh, their jets on standby. They also have put uh, along the Arctic continent um, S-400s to line it up. Um, so... Whatever they're stating for, whether it's to get the natural resources resources off the bottom of the ocean over there, which is what they're claiming that they want the Arctic area for, um, whatever's going on over here, it looks like they're staging for all, all types of things. Uh, this article says, Eastern Libyan forces sea ship with a Turkish crew, and Eastern Libyan forces seized a Granada flagship with a Turkish crew on Saturday off the Libyan coast. A, spokes, a spokesman said, amid rising tensions with Turkey, which supports the rival an internationally recognized Libyan government in Tripoli. Turkey's parliament on Saturday approved a, secure, a security and military cooperation deal signed with Tripoli government last month, state media reported, an agreement that could pave the way for military help from Ankara. A national Libyan army forces naval combat vessels stopped the ship in the Libyan territorial waters off the eastern city of Derna, 
and towed it to Ross El Halal uh, port for inspection and verify its cargo. Spokesman Ahmad Mismari told Reuters. He gave no further details. The Eastern Forces loyal to Commander Khalifa Haftar provided Reuters with a video that shows Libyan Navy forces stopping the ship and questioning three crew members. They also published copies, copies of passports of three Turkish nationals, and it was not immediately clear what the ship was carrying. Ankara has sent military supplies to Libya in violation of a United Nations arms embargo, according to a report by UN experts, um, seen by Reuters last month. Turkey has been backing the Libyan government of national accord led by Fayez al-Sarraj as it fights off a months-long offensive of Haftar's forces. A Turkish President Erdogan has said Turkey could deploy troops in Libya in support of the GNA, but no request has been made. This one is what's crazy. As I woke up to this this morning, it says, Russia and Syria signal West with joint naval drills, quote, hundreds of airstrikes on Idlib. This is pretty insane. Because the next article that I have after this, they actually uh, gained said foothold and uh, gaining more ground over in Syria. So multiple... Uh, Multiple developments related to Russia's military role in Syria mean that the year-long conflict could once again become front and center for Washington during the 2020. This is what I mean by the um, uh, thumbnail there. Could 2020 be a year of conflict? Are we going to have to intervene in any of this stuff going on? Are allies going to intervene in this? Because the very last article, I think it's the last article that I have, um, Israel's actually made a pretty bold statement that I'm going to read. Um, so all this talk, you know, it starts with talk and then ends with action. So just one of these guys pissing off the other guy enough to where they, they go and do something or there's an act of war and they react to it. So um, that's what I'm going to get into here. It says, first this week, uh, Russia and Syria conducted rare joint naval Naval drills in the eastern Mediterranean at a moment. Uh, Russia jets significantly increased airstrikes on jihadist-held Idlib province, reportedly conducting hundreds of missile strikes in the last five days, with regional reports saying Russia warships in the Mediterranean are firing sea-launched rockets as well. The Syrian government assault on southern Idlib is being given air support through a major uptick in Russian air raids, sending tens of thousands of civilians fleeing as the combined force seeks to push back the Al-Qaeda group Hayat uh, Tahrir al-Sham, or HTS. UN Humanitarian Agency, OCHA, said tens of thousands of civilians have fled southern Idlib uh, since Monday and headed north for safety, while thousands were waiting for the violence to abate the lead, France 24 reports. UN agency OCHA described that, quote, the following, following the intensification of airstrikes and shelling since 16th of December in southern Idlib, tens of thousands of civilians are reportedly fleeing from Mered al-Numan, 
area in southern Idlib uh, governorate to the north. HTS reportedly impeding the movement of civilians trying to flee. Um, it says, as for the um, simultaneous Russian-Syrian naval drills conducted this week, it's cl clearly meant to send a message to the West not to intervene in ongoing uh, Idlib operations, as Nui described of the just-concluded exercise. In the exercises involving some 2,000 personnel, 10 vessels, and a number of aircraft as well, the Russian and Syrian armed forces signaled a new level of defense cooperation off the coast of the city of Tardis in the eastern Mediterranean. Maneuvers included counter-terror operations, anti-drone warfare, and deception, among other tactics. Russian media published footage of what appeared to be relatively small-scale drills, which compared to prior regional exercises Russia has held. I can't play this video here because I will get a copyright violation. Uh, it says, meanwhile, over the past month, there have been new warnings from Moscow that jihadist groups in Idlib were preparing a potential false chemical attack provocation to draw in Washington intervention. This is what I'm saying. Are they going to draw us into this? Are they creating a kill box for our country? Do not know, but it is a possibility. It says, uh, in contradicting Contradicting speculation, the Russian forces could be ready to begin drawing, uh, drawing down from the region. This week, Russia's deputy foreign minister said Moscow will invest $500 million in the Syrian port of Tardis, according to regional reports. Mr. Burazov uh, made the announcement on a two-day visit to Syria, during which he met with Syrian President Bashar, Bashar al-Assad. Mr. Burazov's office said the trip would focus on, quote, the operation of the port of Tardis, which was leased by Russia, and options for custom preferences to supply Syrian agricultural products to, Russian, to Russia from uh, citrus, olive, and olive oil. Russia, the world's largest wheat exporter, has stepped up grain supplies to support uh, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad in recent years since Moscow's 215 military intervention on his behalf in the Syrian civil war. All of this, and especially the stepped-up uh, military operations to wrest Idlib from anti-government terrorist groups, means 2020 could once again witness the U.S. and Russia on the brink of war in Syria. However, the determining factor could be the sensitive timing in the run-up to the U.S. election. While the Trump administration's rhetoric on Idlib has been uh, to repeatedly threaten Damascus and Moscow over the humanitarian fallout, the White House will likely want to avoid a major showdown, which could be politically costly. On the other hand, another, quote, limited round of U.S. strikes on Syria could be used by the administration for a bit of significant political distraction and to take the public eye off the continuing impeachment circus. And now this article, Breaking, Syrian Army Captures New Town in Southeast uh, Idlib. This came out today. It says the Syrian Army Arab Army, or the SAA, captured new uh, ground in southern Idlib this evening after launching another big attack on the area. Led by the 25th Special Missions Forces Division, or formerly Tiger Forces, the Syrian army, uh, Arab army attacked the town of Al-Ta 
which was under the control of Hayat Tahrir al-Sham, or HTS, and their allied militants. According to the report from the area, the Syrian army has taken control of, the, of al-Tah following a short battle with the jihadist rebels. At the same time, the Syrian army is working to isolate the Turkish military's observation post, which is located near the town of Sarman in southeastern uh, Idlib. Gaining a foothold, gaining a foothold. I believe this is the last article I have right here. Now, this is pretty bold for um, Israel to say this, but um, from what I understand, um, Israel has one of the most dangerous um, air forces on the face of the earth. Uh, if you want to read or even watch or read more information about them, all you got to do is go back to find out um, what they were doing whenever. Uh, they were trying to take all the nuclear reactors to the Middle East, and they had a, um, I forgot I forgot the name of the operation, where um, their Air Force went over there and just completely obliterated it after they sent some of their um, agents over there to um, basically take them apart and destroy them. This article says, Israel threatens Iran, says Syria could become their version of Vietnam. This is crazy. Israel's new defense minister, Natafli Bennett, has warned Iran that Syria will become its version of Vietnam, where, focus, where forces will sink in the sand under Israeli airstrikes. Telling me they're pretty dangerous people. There's nothing for you in Syria, he said during the late November trip in northern Israel. Whatever you try to do, you will, you will encounter a strong and determined IDF that will strike you. Is the Israel Air Forces have already been striking Iran frequently in Syria with more than a thousand airstrikes against hundreds of targets. Israel has also been more open about recent airstrikes, mentioning the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps specifically and uncovering Iran's role from, quote, killer drones in the precision missiles, or two precision missiles. Bennett appears to want to add uh, to what Israel is already doing. Named Defense Minister on November 13th, he has previously been Minister of Education, but has encouraged Israelis uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to take a tougher stance against Hamas and Gaza in Iranian threats. This is a bit ironic, considering that Netanyahu has been one of the loudest voices globally against Iran's role in the Middle East, opposing the Iran deal and seeking an arrangement with both Moscow and Washington regarding Israel's attempt to prevent Iranian enrichment in Syria. Bennett traveled to northern Israel with Netanyahu in late November, where they met IDF Deputy Chief Elal Zamir, and Zamir traveled to the U.S. on an official visit on December 14th to discuss a range of strategic and operational issues, including countering Iran. According to the IDF, the current tempo of visits by the U.S. military officers to Israel and the trip of the north appears to be part of the rising urgency of the Iranian threat. Bennett may want to add a new Israeli strategy to Jerusalem's arsenal, preemption, or preemptive action to stop the enemy buildup, according to the Jerusalem Post. Not since the 1967 war was Israel considered such a major action. Bennett and Israel officials in general have been increasingly talkative about Iran's moves and the new uh, need to confront it. An Israeli attack on Iran is an existing possibility that is under discussion, Foreign Minister Yis uh, Yisrael Katz, Katz uh, 
uh, said according to Correa della Sera in Italy. Um, Israel will work tirelessly to confront Iran's attempt at establishing permanent bases in Syria and to break Iran's, quote, ring of fire around Israel, according to Bennett. Flutter reports about Bennett pushing for more strikes on Iran, maybe just uh, election posturing for March 2019. But the comments appear to be more than that. If we do not act today to take advantage of the window of opportunity, in the more distant future, the risk will be greater, he said November 29th. Israel could be deterred in the future because of a building of Iranian threats. That balance of factors has deterred Israel from striking Hezbollah and vice versa since 2006, as Hezbollah built up an arsenal of more than 100,000 rockets. Quote, more offensive military action alongside increased U.S. economic sanctions and political pressure, these are the things that could get Iran out of Syria, Bennett argues. This stance takes into account U.S. support for Israeli action that was lacking under the previous U.S. administration. In the wake of President Donald Trump's decision to withdraw from Syria, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo assured Israel that the U.S. supports Israel, Israel's actions against Iran. Israel has responded to Iranian rocket fire from Syria and Iranian drone entering Israeli airspace in February 2018 with widespread airstrikes in the past. But there is no evidence Syria is becoming Iran's Vietnam. The way Bennett threatens, it could become. So far, Iran and Syria regime ally have lost some buildings, munitions, and air defense, but few Iranians have been harmed. Missiles can be replaced, and Iran, Iran's attacks from Syria have not been sophisticated so far, including four Fajar-5 rockets fired in November, a failed attempt to fire rockets in September, and attacks in January 2019 and May of 2018. Israel now has a name given to its attempts um, to stop Iranian enrichment, the campaign between the wars to counter Iran's regional influence. The problem is this looks more like Israel's attempt to, to manage a conflict in Gaza, and it's not clear that it, it has reduced Iran's presence in Syria. An article at the Institute for National Security Studies at Tel Aviv University notes that the objective is preventing escalation, deterring the enemy, and, quote, slowing down the force buildup of Iran. Bennett appears to be talking about the next stage. Israel is in the midst of its third election cycle in a year, with a prime minister in power 10 years who is under corruption indictments. In Israel, there is nostalgia for the film The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and frequent references to a scene where a character says, quote, when you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Netanyahu has been critiqued for a decade about talking and not shooting. Bennett has been talking a lot. The question is whether it will be it will underpin the new policy of more shooting. So, will 2020 be a year of conflict? With everything that's going on over in the Middle East, um, there's a possibility that we could see uh, what some call, you know, WW3, the Battle on the Geddon. Uh, we could see a bunch of stuff pop off over in the Middle East because, to me, uh, you know, from looking at biblical prophecy, that is where the start and the end of it all will be. So, 
If any of these news articles were interesting to you guys, the links are in the description below. If you like the video, go ahead and give it a thumbs up. If you haven't subbed to the channel, go ahead and subscribe. Um, all the links to the podcast that are available on anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, the links to the podcast, the socials, uh, my website are all in the about section of the channel. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off here for tonight. Um, like I said, pray for uh, the people that were involved in the accident in Virginia. And, um, you know, this time of year, like I say all the time, check on each other, love each other, and continue to pray for each other and lift each other up in this world full of just chaos and, and craziness. So until next time, see you guys. Um, I will be live tomorrow at 7 p.m. And this show is Monday through Friday um, at 7 p.m. This is the Kingsman Report. It's the news everyone ignores. And this is a live podcast. If you guys ever want to call in, the number scrolling across the bottom of the screen, as long as, as well as the email that you can send me articles. So until next time, y'all bless and shalom. I can't get you. I can't forget you. listening tune in month, sunday through friday to the kingdom report live podcast on youtube don't forget to like and subscribe getting through all the bad times with you i wasn't missing a thing no i do and i wish that i could be you.